with me to the book of 1 Corinthians 7. We're looking at verses 7 through 24. First Corinthians seven. Christian in society. Paul has an interesting uh, statement here. Um, I'm going to pray first, and then we will read the word of the Lord. Father. We come now to hear from you. We come now to see your word revealed before us. Father, I ask that your spirit and your people will teach. Father, that we would understand your principles. We would understand your purpose. We would understand your will as we have just sung, Lord. Why do we hold on to so much? Why do we not surrender all? Yet, Father, part of that work is your church, is your spirit, is your word. Father, I ask now that uh, we as loving children, we as children of the covenant, we as children who have been blessed eternally would embrace and rejoice at what you give us, what you're doing. That, Father, our contentment would come from you, that our hope would come from you, that our purpose would come from you, and that, Father, the desires of our being would be your will. Father, help us. Help us to walk. Father, help us to embrace that we've been bought and paid for with a price. We commit this unto you and you alone. In Christ, amen. Verses 17 through 24, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Only as the Lord has assigned to each one, as God has called each, in this manner let him walk. And so I direct in all the churches, was any man called when he was already circumcised? He is not to become uncircumcised. Was anyone called in uncircumcision? He is not to become circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing. But what matters is the keeping of the commandments of God. Each man must remain in that condition in which he was called. Were you called while a slave? Do not worry about it. But if you are able also to become free, rather, do that. For he who was called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's free man. Likewise, he who was called while free is Christ's slave. You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of men. Brethren, each one is to remain with God in that condition in which he was called. What we're looking at is... A church in a society very similar to the society that you're in today, the church of Corinth. And what happens in the church, as with the church in Corinth, as with the church today, is that men come at different chronological parts of their life, different ages, they come into salvation. Um, and in coming to that point of salvation, the regeneration, and I, and I, now listen, I'm not talking about this profession of faith. 
I'm talking about a redeemed life, a, a, a radical transformation of a person. Okay, True salvation. I'm not talking about what we propagate this day as salvation. I'm talking about biblical salvation. In that coming to that, you will realize that there are a lot of things in your life personally that aren't right. But you will also realize that there's a lot of things in your society that aren't right. And as a Christian, how do I react in that? All right. One of the great issues dealing with the church in Corinth, you would have a blending of Jewish believers and Gentile believers. Okay, The Jews would be coming out of Judaism, and they believed it was a sin to be single. If you were of the age to marry where you could reproduce, then you should do that because they believed that you were being disobedient to God because you had not married and were producing children. The pagans, the Gentiles, would be coming out of a system that would say you don't marry, that you stay single because you can have a devotion that is not hampered by the dynamics of a family. So what happens is, is that you come to the first church of Corinth, depending on your position, we're in society, married or not married, and we've already dealt with married to believers and married to unbelievers and how all that dynamic works. What happens to us? What am I supposed to do in society? And the Apostle Paul in 17 through 24 gives a very general principle based on the things of God. The things of God. How do I act in a society? We have many today who become militant in society in the name of Christ. Okay? And yet the Bible doesn't teach it. It doesn't teach it. He says, as the Lord has to assign, has a sign or allotted to each one in verse 17, walk in that manner. Wherever you're at in society, walk as Christ walked. Period. Period. We miss this today. We believe that Christianity needs to explode on the scene. Christianity never exploded. Christianity is leaven. It spreads. It permeates. You want to stop abortion today? Walk as Christ walk, and your life will bear witness to others. They will be drawn to you. They will change their hearts. And guess what? You will impact your community. You'll impact your workplace. You'll impact your loved ones. And it just spreads. Uh, I, I just, you know, I, and I agree. I have seen some Christians out there that what they have in the quote-unquote name of Christ, I pray, is not contagious. Because I don't want what you have. I, have you ever seen them, the irritable Christians, the grouchy Christians? They walk around kind of mad, like prunes. Okay, just oh, you just can't do this, don't do that, you don't do this, and you don't, and they're they're complaining about everything, and yet God has proven that regardless of the societal structure, structure, whether it's a representative republic like ours, whether it is a democracy like Greece, whether it was communism, whether it's military dictatorship, whether it's a monarchy, guess what Christians do? Flourish, flourish. You can be a Christian. Anywhere, under any society. And you can be a good Christian under any society. 
any place, any workplace, any dynamic that comes to your life. Paul gives us two uh, the points stated, and he states it twice, and he illustrates it twice. And we've looked at these. One of the, the points stated is, as the Lord has assigned to each one, let the Lord, as God has called. Okay, the word called in the epistles. Okay, you know what the epistles are? The wives of the apostle. No, it's letters to churches. All right, all right, to the churches. He says, as the Lord has assigned, all right, and he says called. Anytime in the gospel record you see called, it's not necessarily salvation. Okay, Jesus said many are called, few are chosen. Okay, that's the gospel. That's the four gospels. All right, in the letters to the churches when you see called, it refers directly to salvation. So whatever position in society you were Called, you were saved, what should you do? Walk there. Walk there. Okay, now listen, I understand that there are moral problems. Okay? There are some times that you could be in a job that is immoral and Lord draws you to salvation. What should you do with that job? Leave it. Okay, all right? That's not what he's saying here. He's saying that where you were called, walk as Christ. Okay, Um, uh, you know, Wayne loves it, and I love Wayne's teaching. The Christ life, what is it? The reason we don't see great numbers being drawn to the kingdom, who's walking as Christ? Who's walking the Christ life? Who can say, walk as that man, walk as that woman? I mean, if you look at most Christians today, you have to ask yourself a question. Has Christianity affected society or has society affected Christianity? Okay, now I'm not talking about legalism. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the servant's heart that exists in Christendom. Um, Wednesday night we're talking about work. What happens if you don't work? Don't eat. That's what the Bible says. Okay, And the part of the struggle that you and I have is we believe that you have those who are in ministry and you have those who are in secular work. That's not biblical. This text verifies that. Wherever you're at, you should what? Walk. You should be a missionary in your workplace. What you do today in America, what we do in America, work is only for my entertainment, to attain my entertainment. I work because I want a new boat, a new car, a vacation, a da-da-da-da-da, a plasma TV, whatever it is you're pursuing, a house, whatever. You know, i got to pay the rent. I'm seeking something for myself. Work was designed to exalt God. Okay, you've got to understand that. He is a God of work. Read Psalm 104. I just read it to you. Everything in there, he was busy. He moved the waters. He lowered the valleys. He raised the mountains. He provides for this. He provides for the cows. He provides for man. He does this. He does that. He's busy. All right? And everybody likes to use this image when it comes to making decisions, right? We were created in his image. So get a job. You were created in His image. He is a God of work. And I should work as unto the Lord, regardless of what my job is. 
You've got to understand that. Right? There's no difference between he's in the ministry and this is a secular. Doesn't matter. Why? They're all ministry. God has you there. And he says, let him walk. This is how I direct in all the churches. And then he gave the illustration. If you were circumcised, who would be your primary people? Do not try to disidentify with the Jews. Those who are practicing Judaism. Why? You were saved as a Jew. Who would be your primary evangelistic spot? Jews. I mean, even the Apostle Paul, when he went into Jerusalem, he did a cleansing ceremony because he'd been hanging out with who? Gentiles. Did he have to do a cleansing ceremony? No. Was it a sin because he did a cleansing ceremony? No. And, and yet, what do we do? Well, we're Gentiles. Okay, do I become an un-Gentile? Do I have to start wearing them little curl things and wear the hat of the teacher? The teacher don't wear a hat. All right, the rabbi, if you go in, I was, when I was in Jerusalem, it was hilarious because you see the groups based on their hats. Okay, if you're sitting under a certain rabbi, he wears a certain hat. And I mean, there were just little, some of them were like, look like an animal something with a bill on it that's just fuzzy. Uh, some of them had derbies, and some of the derbies would have a flat brim, and some of them would have a rolled brim. And I thought that would be cool. All right, so I thought I'd get me a hat. I'm going to get one, one of them little ones with a propeller on it. Okay, and everybody says, we know who that is. All right, but, but it's just stuff like that. Them ones look pretty hot. But anyway, it's stuff like that. You don't, I don't alienate the people. Listen, one of the things that drives me nuts is we get very harsh on lost people. Okay? You know, these lost people are doing drugs and, and, and they're promiscuous and, and, and they're drinking all the time and they're just doing this and they're just doing that. I just, I just struggle with lost people. What do you expect them to do? They're lost. I mean, I would expect, I would actually be more shocked if they didn't. That'd make me very nervous. Right? Because that's the way they are. I don't change uh, being a Gentile. I don't change my background, my upbringing, because now I'm saved. There are things in my life that affected me that make me the person that I am. That God has preordained. I know we don't like to hear that word, but that is exactly what He teaches. The path that you're on is not a surprise to God. And, and I, we really need to embrace this because there's a security that I have as a child of God. But as I walk, then who do I have the greatest impact on? The people who are like me, who may have the likes and dislikes that I have. All right? And that's who I will be, be in Christ. Okay? In every place in society, when a person... That, I don't care where you're at in society. I don't care if you're in elementary school. I don't care if you're in preschool. I don't care if you're trying to think about retirement. Anywhere in society, you can be a Christian there, and you can be a good one there. Now, you know, I, I was thinking about Joseph, the youngest of Jacob's children. Okay, He was a believer in God, wasn't he? He was in Potiphar's house, and he was a slave. But was he a good slave? Well, absolutely, he was given charge of the home. 
And yet, even when he was falsely accused and thrown into Pharaoh's prison, guess what he was in prison? A good prisoner. To the point he became Pharaoh's right-hand man. So now he's hanging out in Egypt. Now listen, that is as pagan as it gets. And yet he was a good believer. Take Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel. Babylonian captivity. And yet they were believers. Why? Use Joseph's mindset when he saw his brothers. What you plan for evil, God. Do you know that where you're at in society right now is only God's will and God's plan for you? Your marital status... Your age, the people who are close to you, the people that you are ministering to, are all God's purpose for you individually. Do you know that there are people that you can reach that I can never reach? You know there's people that I can reach that I can't reach? <laughs> right? I don't seem to be having any fun at it anyway. But, but you see what I'm saying? You've got to grab a hold of this. How's come? Think now, now listen, I need you to think about this. How much time in your thinking processes are preoccupied with circumstances and standings that you have in society right now versus God? That's what the Apostle Paul is getting at. And what's important here is if the Bible says it once, you know that it's very important. If it says it twice... He's saying, you know what? You guys are thick and lumpy, and I really need you to hear. And that's what he's doing. That's what he's doing. Think about what we do. Think about what we worry over. Think about what we become anxious. Think about what is the priority of our thinking processes. And he's saying, cut it loose. Obedience to the commandments of God. Okay, so he's given us illustration. If you've been circumcised, stay circumcised. Which, duh. Okay, if you're not circumcised, then don't worry about it. Don't don't be circumcised. Okay, but then he hits you right in the solar plexus. Okay, Corinth is what was known as a free town, a free city. Men who had been captured under Roman occupation could become Roman soldiers, serve for a certain time, and then the Romans would give you a place, and you could call it your own. That was the establishment of the city of Corinth. But here's what's so cool about it. I, say I would have conquered person, became a Roman soldier, served in the Roman army, and now all of a sudden I got me a little place in Corinth, some kind of business. You know what I'd get? Slaves. To take care of my stuff. So I could become rich and famous and have more slaves. Alright? So he makes a statement here that's going to just stun the Corinthians. Look what he says here. Were you called while a slave? Okay, verse 21. Were you called while a slave? Again, called in the epistles is salvation. Were you a slave when you got saved? Understanding that you know, each must man, each man must remain in the condition which he was called. Why? Keeping of the commandments of God, verse 19, is the important thing. If I got saved as a slave, what am I supposed to do? 
I'm a slave. Because remember I shared with you, there was a numerous ways to get married under Roman law. And the one that a slave would have is what? Tent companionship. Okay? So what if I got saved as a slave? And I had a tent companion. What's the issue? By law, you are married. By God's eyes, what? What is the issue? The issue is God. It's not, how did I end up in this mess? It is, I had made a covenant with this woman. Let's say I was a slave. I, uh, in, in the process of being a slave for this slave owner, I found this woman. I asked if I could marry her. He says, you can live with her until you tick me off and I sell you guys. Okay? And I can do that. Then what is God's view of it? You're married. Well, but you didn't have a ceremony. You didn't have... What's the issue? It's the commandments of God. We miss this today. We get so wrapped up in the issues that we miss what God... He says, where you're at, do what? Live as Christ. Live as Christ. Okay? And, and I, I see people struggle with this. Listen, do you understand something? When a person is condemned eternally from God, okay, it's not their sin that condemns them. Did you know that? It's who they are that condemns them. The sin is the product of who they are. They're not being condemned because of sin. They're being condemned because of who they are. Who seeks after God? No one. You don't seek after me. I'm just and eternally separating from you. Okay, you've, you've got to understand that. We get so wrapped up in the things that are going on, and you don't want to do that. We concentrate on the spiritual emphasis. Okay? We like to spend a lot of time on the externals. God deals only with the internals. If I deal with the internals, the externals take care of themselves. Okay? When a Christian, um, we Christians need to be preoccupied with the spiritual things. Okay? We are living in a free society. And I think it's kind of cool. Um, we can worship in freedom. But I am convinced. Do we see the danger? I don't believe we do. Why? Think about what you're preoccupied with. And that is the danger. When I have freedom, then I can sit around and twiddle my thumbs on just about anything. Okay? There are, I believe, some equally mature and equally devoted and even maybe more so who will realize a far greater reward than us who are living in freedom. And the reason is, well, they know what the priority is. Paul's concern is that Christian realize that the primary business of being a Christian is not outward circumstances. And yet, watch what we do. I mean, I, I, I see this when Christians get involved in politics. Okay, um, 
What happens when you have the quote-unquote Christian coalition for family council or stuff like that? What happens? You know what is amazing about it? I never hear the gospel. And we're here for what? For the gospel. Is the family unit attacked? Yeah, duh. Is that the issue? I mean, let's be realistic. Society, for the most part, is lost, regardless of what they think. It's lost. How do you expect them to live? What do you expect their focus to be? Okay, how can I take a lost person and say, don't you understand the sanctity of the family? Because I can take probably 99% of Christians and say, don't you understand the sanctity of your job? Both are gifts from God. Both are sacred institutions. Okay? But what happens? We start worrying about the externals. And I hear all the stuff. See, this church had some problems. They had a pride problem disunity. They were even boasting in their teachers. Well, I'm not going to church today because Paul has left and only Apollos is teaching. Okay? Sounds like America. Okay? What happens is, is they're bringing human knowledge in, human wisdom. Alright? They had the same struggles with marriage and singleness. Alright? Now, I want, to understand, I want you to understand something. Paul's not advocating exactly where you're at. No change ever. Okay, if you have a promotion, um, that's fine. If you have a different job, that's fine. You, he's not saying if you have advancement in your business, you can't. Uh, to advance in your education, that you shouldn't. Uh, employers, um, you know, the thing is, is that is the position that I'm in right now bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ? And if I can't walk in his glory there, I don't care where you're at, what position, what job, what education you have, you're not going to do it any other place. And that's the issue. When the Lord saved you, he didn't save you to change your earthly status. You've got to understand that. He saved you to change your soul. In the process of changing your soul, he changes your eternal destiny. Okay? He illustrates it again. It's a slave. All right. Um, <laughs> I want you to read this because verse 21, he says, if you were called as a slave, uh, the New American Standard translation says, do not worry about it. OK. All right. But the literal translation is, let it not be a care to you. All right. Um, it's not that Paul is approving of slavery. Right? He's saying that slavery is not an obstacle for Christian living. All right? uh, go to Ephesians 6.5. This is difficult for us. Um, there's a Christian organization that's trying to draw money together to buy slaves out of the Sudan. Okay? And we think this is our moral obligation and this, that, and the other. Um, uh, you know, and slavery comes up and 
we, we don't have equal rights and slaveries here and all the rest of it. I've never owned a slave in my life. Um, and I probably wouldn't know what to do with one if I had one. But I want to show you what Bible teaches about slavery. 6.5, Ephesians. Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh. How? Fear and trembling and sincerity of your heart as to Christ. Why doesn't he say revolt? Why doesn't he say that, you know, slavery is immoral and it's mean and, and nasty people? What does he say? You submit. Submit to your masters, your earthly masters, as to Christ. The problem is, many do. <laughs> they're not submitted to Christ and they're not submitted to their earthly masters. Okay? Or they do it inconvenient. Give to the master, serve him with your whole heart as if he was Jesus Christ incarnate. But what if my master's not saved? What's the qualifier? There isn't one. There isn't one. Do the will of God from the heart. Look what he says in verse 7. Or not, verse 6. Not by way of eye service as men pleaser. You know what eye service is? You're all guilty of it. We're all guilty. We've all done it. When the boss is around, I work hard, unless you're Stephanie. So, okay. She doesn't care whether I'm around or not. <laughs> okay? But we do. We oh, Look, I'm going to work hard. And then when the boss leaves, what do we do? Coffee break. Because I had to rest. I worked hard for 22 minutes. Okay? I mean, out of the whole eight-hour day. Eye service is just that. When he's watching, I'm serving. When he ain't watching, it ain't going to hurt him. Why? I'm a slave. We've heard it. We've all worked in jobs, right? I can't be fired. Slaves have to be sold. Right? Now watch what it says here. As men pleaders, pleasers, but as slaves of Christ. Be, verse 5 says, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh as slaves of Christ. As slaves of Christ. Look what he says. Doing the will of God. From the heart. I will serve my master because it is the God's will for me. That's powerful. That's amazing stuff. He saved you as a slave. That's where he has you. Okay? Same thing is repeated in Colossians 3, 22 through 24. Uh, the Bible is not anti-slavery. Okay? It doesn't approve of the dis, uh, of, of mistreatment of humans. Okay? But it also does not approve of a Christian creating a social revolution based on slavery. Okay? Um, 
here's something I want you to think about. A sort of a philosophical side. Do you know that Christians are not here to change society? Did you know that? You ain't here to do that. You are here to do your father's work. And that was to seek that which was lost. Okay? Yet, in the process, what happens to society? See, if we think we're here to change society, we've completely misdirected the whole message of Christ. They tried that. Remember when he fed the 5,000? Right? And then he went across the other side and they all sought him out the next day to feed us? And what did they say they wanted him to do? Become the king. Why? We want a king that just makes food. Okay, and all we had to do is sit around and get fed. And if he can make food, he can run the Romans out of town. They tend to be a pain anyway. And what was his response? He went away from them into a place of seclusion where they could not find him. Why? Jesus did not come to change the society in which he lived. Okay? Yet, Christianity as leaven will change people. And guess what a society is made up of? People. Okay? He didn't come to start a revolt. He didn't come to overthrow the Romans, overcome the Jews. He didn't do that. That wasn't what is here. The important thing is, is that we are to serve the Lord, the Lord our God, at the place He has us. Wherever that is. I'm keeping his commandments. I'm walking as he walked. You know, I think about Daniel. Remember that his, uh, his enemies came up and said, uh, make a decree that uh, you can't pray to anybody but you, okay? Great King Nebuchadnezzar. Okay, why? They didn't like old Daniel, did they? And that anybody who doesn't pray to you, great King Nebuchadnezzar, should die, right? So the decree, the decree passed. Nebuchadnezzar says, hey, these people think I'm great. I'm into it. It's a decree. Right? So it passed. The next morning, the old doors opened up facing south or to the east. And what was old Daniel up to? Praying to who? His God. And what happened to old Daniel? They arrested him and threw him in with the kitty cats. Alright? And yet God said, you are here for my will, my purpose, and I will be glorified. Guess what? God is faithful. He is faithful. Alright? Back to our text in uh, Corinthians 7. <clears throat> Keeping of the commandments, you were a slave. Okay? But if you were able also to become free, rather do that. Hmm. Um, that is the best translation of the text. There are many get confused off of it and said that if freedom is offered to you, you shouldn't take it. You should st- stay there. If liberty is offered, refuse it. Uh, that's not what the text says um, because there's many free in Corinth. Okay, If, if you're saved as a slave, don't worry about it. But if freedom come, then use that. What he's saying is wherever you're at in society, walk with Christ. All right. Actually, I was doing some stuff in Roman law. There was provision. Um, we always have it in our mind that slave owners were these mean, nasty men who carried bull whips around and just beat the hide off of people. 
Okay, some slaves probably deserved it. I hate to say that, but some probably needed a little more motivation than some others. Um, but the Roman law had a provision in it that the owner of a slave could literally take part of his earnings and put it into an account until he acquired enough to buy his own freedom. So the, fla- the slave could literally buy himself free from the labor that he gave. Um, and, and I thought about that, and that, that's interesting because we always have it in our mind that these mean, nasty slave owners. And yet there was a law on the Roman law that said that you could literally take the time that that slave worked. The, the Old Testament sets it up that way too. If you have a Jewish slave, you can only have him for or her for how many years? Seven years. And then you have to grant them freedom. And then the bond slave is that they would pierce their ears and say, you know, uh, I've tried to the free agent, <laughs> and didn't get a job, so I just want to stay here. Um, but it's stuff like that. i got to ask you guys all a question. Your position in life, are you using it? Or are you more obsessed with changing it than using it for the glory of the Lord? Um, I've got to give you another, another uh, text because this is interesting and we miss this a lot. A little bitty book that I always told you I should have preached instead of 1 Corinthians. The book of Philemon. If you would, please turn over to Philemon. It's just before Hebrews. It's after the T's. It would be the 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus, Philemon. Okay? This is an interesting letter. It's from the Apostle Paul, and it's to his buddy Philemon. Philemon was a very wealthy man. He was a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what else? He was a slave owner. And old Philemon had a slave who just did him wrong. He stole from him and he ran away. Okay? Roman law says if a slave runs away and you find him, you have two options. One... You can kill him or her. You don't have to have a trial. You just kill him. Or two, if you was just really cruel, you would put the Latin letter for fugitive on their forehead with a brand. Okay? I'm not even going to tell you what they said to do if they ran and stole from you on the way. Okay. Philemon was a slave owner in Colossae, and he had a slave named Onesimus. Onesimus stole some of Philemon's stuff and booked, and he decided there's one place that a slave would be hard to find, and that would be in a crowded city. Okay? Blend in with the masses. So Onesimus ran to Rome. Big city. I'll be hard to spot in the big city. He ran into a guy named Paul. Paul just had a way of influencing people, didn't he? Anyway, Paul preaching the gospel, Onesimus came to salvation. In the process of the relationship between Onesimus and this new child of God, the Apostle Paul, it was related to Paul that Onesimus was a runaway slave and a thief. Okay, so Paul 
should write a letter to Onesimus, being that he has met, pastored in, or ministered in Colossae, and say, Onesimus, Philemon, you evil man, having all of these slaves, what's the matter with you? Set them all free. I've got one of them, by the way, named Onesimus. Right? Because slavery is horrible. It's terrible. I just can't believe you treat other human beings that way. Let's change this thing, Paul. What's the matter with you? What's Paul's response? First, uh, it's a great letter. You almost got to read the whole thing. I don't have time. Okay, so I'm going to just pick it up in verse uh, 8. Therefore, though I have enough confidence in Christ to order you to do what is proper. Okay, so he's, he's not there yet. Okay, yet for love's sakes, I rather appeal to you, since I am such a person as Paul, the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my imprisonment, who formerly was useless to you, but now is useful both to you and to me. I have sent him back to you in person, that is, sending my very heart. <laughs> That is a, I mean, you talk about a gambling man. Paul was a gambling man. Technically, this, the two outcomes for runaway slaves were branding on the forehead or killing them. Okay? He knew Philemon personally. He knew Philemon was a believer. And he took a big chance by saying, you know what? I'm sending you, your runaway thieving slave back with a letter from me. You know what he says about the money that Onesimus took? Paul says, put it on my account. I'll pay for it. But slavery is wrong. And right here, Paul, is your perfect opportunity to deal with the wrongness of slavery. You know, let your slaves go. You know, slavery is rotten. We're all free men in Christ, right? You know what Paul did? He told Onesimus that in the society in which we exist, you need to go and make this thing right. Here's your slave. He's been great for me. And would you please accept him as a brother? He'll serve you better than he did. Okay? I want you to accept this runaway thieving slave back as a brother and yet as a servant. Accept the social status. Go back, Onesimus. It will have no effect on your Christianity. Why didn't Paul attack the system? That's, he misses the issue. Anytime I see, every time in America that Christianity attacks, uh, not attacks, it, it hooks itself to a social movement, the message of Christianity gets totally lost. I have yet to see it. Um, with the religious right or the conservative, whatever they call themselves, all of them movements, they all end up missing it. The message of the cross gets lost. Okay? Give the Christian faith by your life. And you know what? Freedom's going to happen. 
Freedom's going to happen. I was going through some stuff on church uh, history. And tradition says that Philemon received Onesimus back and made him the carer of his household possessions. Interesting concept. Of course, he had a great big F on it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. I know. I know, guys. No. He put him in a place of predominance, preeminence in his family. Verse 22. For he who was called, back to Corinthians 7, for he who was called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's free man. I mean, I don't need to push this because the simplicity of the text is clear. You who are saved in the Lord... You're a free man. Listen, have you ever thought about it? As a child of God, I've been called. I've been saved. I've only been freed from sin. I've only been freed from Satan, from hell, and the curse of the law. So does the position of where I'm at in society really matter? What does it matter if you have to serve somebody else? Well, but uh, you just missed it. You just missed it. Jesus said, I did not come to be served. I have come to serve. And we are to live as Christ lived. Likewise, he says, verse 22, he who is called while free is Christ's slave. There's a paradox there. You know, a place you park two boats. Um <laughs> I am absolutely more free now than any time in my life, and yet I am a slave of Jesus Christ. I have greater freedom now than I ever have in all my years as a slave. You know, I think about it. We have people who are getting ready to retire and things like this, and and what is it that we are doing with that? You may be a slave physically, but you're free spiritually. You may be free physically and yet a slave spiritually. That is a Christian. You know, I guess if you wanted to surmise this thing up, physically nothing here really matters. It's all on the surface. The issue of Christianity today is what? Internal deals with the heart. The external will take care of it. I am free and yet I am a slave. I read through the prison letters that Paul wrote, uh, Ephesians, uh, uh, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon, and all the rest of it. He was in prison then. And he starts all of his later letters out. And whose chains are he in? Is he in? Christ. Christ put me in jail. So I'd sit down and write a little bit. All right, that's all I can figure Okay, why? You're there for a purpose. Wherever you're at in your life right now is only God's will. The question is, am I being used there? And it's not because he's lacking. It would be because... Okay? As Christians, we are servants of Jesus Christ. Bond servants. Yet we're free from the law. We're free from sin. We're free from Satan. We're free from hell. We're free from curse. He has totally set me free to be his servant. 
I think that's cool. Verse 23. You were bought with a price. You were bought with a price. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. And so he hangs this thing out there. What? Do not become what? Slaves of men. How many of you in this day are slaves of men and yet you've been bought with a price? How many of you are worried about car payments, new cars, old cars, education, jobs, housing? Um, how am I going to pay for this? How am I going to do this? Should I get this job? Should I buy this place? Should I take care of this thing? Should I buy this? You know, that's a nice looking suit. That's a pretty shoes. Oh, look at those. I can take that. Maybe I can do this. Ah, this would be wonderful here. How about a vacation? I need a vacation. I should save up and take my vacation. I need a plasma TV. Don't I need a plasma TV? HTV's coming in and we won't be able to watch regular TV. What are we going to do? How am I going to have to take care of that? I want about my spouse. I wonder about my loved ones. I wonder about my kids. I wonder about this. And you are slave to what? To man. But you've been bought and paid for with a price. Need I go on? What about the stock market? What about gas prices? Um, you know, uh, Tom told me the other day, he says, you know, the Time Magazine said that by the year, I think, 2010, there will be no more oil and gas prices are going through the roof. And I said, yeah, that's cool. But, you know, Time Magazine in 1970 said God was dead. So I'm not going to put a lot in time. Perhaps that's why God has me with a woman who loves horses. <laughs> the oil all dry up. And I've been feeding these big old pigs for, and there we go. But you guys got to grab a hold of this. Think about the energy that you put in the temporal versus the things you put in the eternal. And the Apostle Paul says, where you are temporally is only God's plan and God's will for you. And yet, we want to fight against it. And we have been bought and paid for with Christ. First Peter tells me it was the precious blood of Jesus Christ, a lamb without blemish, without spot, was the price for our freedom. And I also will run. I'm going to run and get under slavery to a bank account, a credit card, uh, a loved one, in-laws, outlaws. We do it. You know, I think about today. We're in a slave to a Father's Day celebration. I vote that every day is Father's Day. What do you think? You guys, it's chicken because your wives are sitting close to you. So I just think that every day should be Father's Day, and I don't need to make a special day. Can't get anybody else to buy it, but that's fine. Physically, it doesn't matter. We are servants of Jesus Christ. I don't consider myself a slave. People say, well, you know, man, you do, you do this and you do this. I take great joy in it. You may be a physical slave. But you don't need to be going around trying to rid yourself of the bondage. We work. God's graced us with work. It shouldn't be bondage. Work becomes that that we make it of. If I look at work as a chance and that I'm in the will of God to do the ministry of God in the place that I'm at, then God gave him and put me there. You've been bought and paid with a price. 
You are his slave in that situation. Serve your masters as unto Christ. Verse 24, he repeats it. Just in case we're slow. Brethren, each one is to. Okay, it's the same word that you see in John 15. He who abides in the vine is mine. Okay, remains. Okay, brethren, each one of you are to remain with God in the condition which you were called. Stay where you're at. It is God's divine sovereignty. God has you there for a reason. Whether you're married, single, divorced, widowed, it is irrelevant. You're there for a purpose. His divine plan. Transformation, regeneration, whatever you want to call it. There is no reason for one to leave his occupation. Spouse. Or automatically get married because I'm single. I need to get married because I'm saved now. All of life is God's. Why? You've been bought with a price. And he places us in all kinds of social positions. And we are to serve him there in that position. We need to concentrate on spiritual service. We need to concentrate on spiritual obedience. Let the social take care of itself. Okay? Leaven of righteousness will change our society. Okay, I'll give you this thought and we're done. Don't make your Christianity the cause for the hatred of the world. If the world is going to reject, make sure that they are rejecting with the true knowledge of Jesus Christ. Okay? Not in fear of some political revolution. Let it be in truth. Because where you are was God's plan. It is God's plan. Present yourself as a noble vessel to be used where you're at. Let's pray. Father, I praise you for the time. I praise you for your word. Lord, I ask that uh, you keep us from falling into the clutter of the world. You keep us falling into the the concerns that are temporal. But Father, that we focus upon you, your righteousness, your kingdom. Father, we walk in a manner worthy. We walk in a manner that you have designed. We walked in a manner that brings glory and exaltation unto you who redeemed us. Father, it is not by us that we can even accomplish this. It is only and solely by you. Father, if you would please grace us with servants' hearts, with workers who do not give eye service, But Father, with hearts that say, here I am, send me. Here I am, use me. Here I am, pour me out as a drink offering. Here we are. Let us fight the good fight. To your praise and glory in Christ. Amen.